book of Matthew chapter 15. The Lord met us here this morning, touched us in a mighty way. This has been a, this has been a great week. God has just met us in such a special way. I thoroughly enjoyed worshiping 2020 out with you this year. Beautiful, beautiful time of worship together on Thursday night. And then to be here with you again today, it's like the cherry on top of the Sunday. Praise the Lord. That was a play on words there. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd like for you to join me in Matthew chapter 15, if you would please, and verse number 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. In other words, she is possessed. Verse 23, but he answered her, not a word. He answered her, not a word. I'm going to talk to you tonight from something that I really didn't even know existed until just a few weeks ago. I'm doing my best raising teenagers to keep up was driving down the road and my girls were talking about I could really embarrass the people right now but I'm not <laughs> they were talking about some girls that had tried to text somebody you know like they're talking about all this sliding into DMs and all that I'm like what's that mean it just means they sent them a direct message I'm like oh okay <laughs> and they said that this person had texted someone and they said, Brother McLean had never heard this. It said, and he left her on red. I said, what's the color red have to do with anything? Nope. It's not the color red, it is R-E-A-D. If you have certain things turned on on your phone, when you send somebody a text and they get it, it says it's been read. But they never respond, so you got left on red. See? God bless you all, you're dismissed. School has been good today. So tonight, I'm going to preach to you when God leaves you on red. You may be seated. The further I go, the more I find out that being left on red is not a good thing. You don't want to be left on red because if they want to talk to you after it's red, they will respond. We are, believe it or not, in a major transitional period in the kingdom age right now. There has been a sifting in the body of Christ when... I feel like God has really, at this point, I would be surprised if any stone has been left unturned to find out who really wants this thing in the body of Christ. I feel like this year that some people have made it very clear that their, their mission to have fellowship with man has been greater than their mission to have fellowship with God. 
I don't mean for that to sound derogatory by any, any condition, but understand me when I tell you that I feel like God has spent some time this year sifting through the remnant of His church to find out who it really is that's hungry for revival, that's hungry for harvest, that's hungry for truth to be spread throughout the earth. I find myself on a daily basis saying to the Lord, whenever you are securing the remnant and the remnant is revealed, I want to be in that number. Whatever I have to do to be sure that I'm in the number of those, Lord, that you have counted worthy, I want to be in that number. Lord, whatever you're looking for, when you're looking for the true church, I'm just asking you to count me in on that because I want my name to be on that list. And the reason why I want it to be on that list is because if it's not on that list, then it's more than likely not in the Lamb's book. You will never accomplish more for God in heaven than you've accomplished for God on earth. Some folks are waiting to cross old Chili Jordan to finally do something great and really worship the Lord. Listen, my worship there is going to be on a different kind of measure. It's not going to cost me there what it cost me here, but it's going to be worth whatever it costs me here when I get there. Everybody and everything will worship when the glory of God is revealed in that throne room. Everybody will bow. Everybody will pray. Everybody will worship. But right now it costs me a little bit. And I want to be sure that I'm in that number. I want to be sure that when the Lord is looking through the earth that he's not having to tap on his chin and say, "Ah, I wonder if he's really sold out to this thing. I really do wonder if this guy is what he said that he would be. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? I said it this morning and I'll say it again tonight that talk is cheap. It's cheap to talk again to God and tell him how desperate we are for revival. But I believe we're in that transitionary period where the Lord is looking down in the earth and he's saying that the great work that I plan on doing, I'm not going to do with fickle people. I'm not going to do it with people that are constantly vacillating on their doctrine and moving back and forth on how they feel about me. I believe that the Lord is looking for somebody that's as convinced as they've ever been that this way is right and that righteousness is the will of God. And that the word of God is pure. I believe that God is looking for a church that still believes there's only one door and there's only one way to get in. I believe that God is looking for a people who still believe you've got to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're in a period of transition where God is, I believe, counting. I, I just, uh, today, was reminded just a short time ago of a prophetic word that I gave to this church probably three or four years ago. And I had it completely slipped my mind. I, don't, I, I didn't find it written down anywhere. But the Lord reminded it to me because in prayer... We've been calling things forth that have been prophesied into this church. The Lord reminded me of a prophetic word. There may be a couple of you that remember. But I stood before this church and the Lord said, I am writing again a book of numbers for my people. I am numbering my people and getting ready ready to have numbers clearly defined of who's going to be standing, who's going to be the light, who's going to be the salt, and went through the whole deal. And the Lord has shown us that this year, that he has been separating people that are hungry. Listen, I, I'm, I, I, I say this unapologetically, that I have spoken and preached and prophesied and decreed and believe that the days of churches that are mass gatherings of people that are nothing more than glorified coffee houses in Jesus' name, are, there goes their doors. It's going to happen. Because people are getting sick of empty. People are getting sick of being empowered to stay in their weakness. 
We, we live in an age right now, I know the devil don't want the church to believe this, but people really do, they really do want to be free. They really do want to be released from their past. And when we have adapted doctrines into people's lives that say, Jesus will just take you just like you are, we're empowering them and setting them up for a kickback on us because they're not going to stay in a church where lives are not being transformed, where marriages are not being put back together, where cancers are not being healed. Come on, somebody. I believe the end time church is going to be revealed when the church of the living God realizes who we are and that it's never been the will of God for the church to be a social club where we just come together for the fellowship to enjoy being with one another. I believe it's still the will of God for Anderson to have a healing center where people walk in off the street sick and they leave healed in the name of Jesus. I still believe that the church is better than any alcoholic prevention program. I still believe that the church is better than AA. I believe every program has its place and we need it. I believe that we need it. But I also still believe in the delivering power of Jesus. I don't want to be a part of something that tells me if I'm an alcoholic, I can still go ahead and drink and God's okay with that. I'd rather be in a church that's so on fire that when I get the Holy Ghost, I've never been drunk like that. I still believe in a church that when the drug addict comes in and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, they'll say, I've never been high like this. I've never felt anything like this. Hallelujah. I mentioned a few services ago that if we're not careful, our reproduction in the church is going to be to our detriment. Because people that are not born in the fire will be satisfied to just be whatever they're in. But if you've been born in the fire, you'll never be satisfied with anything less than apostolic fire and passion. Oh God. I would rather people come to this church and say, whoa. Then I would for people to come to this church and say, whoa. I've heard all my life that there was power in that church. But when I got there, I found out it wasn't like, it, just like everybody else, just like everything else. The only difference is they're a little bit more strict. Listen, people have got to know that there's more to us. They've got to know there is more power to us than our separation from the world. And if our separation of dress is the only thing that separates us from the world, then we're not really separated. I want to be in a church where blind eyes are being opened, where deaf ears are hearing, where the lame are walking and the dumb are talking. Church is going to be revealed in the end time. Not as social gatherings, but rather as the government of God in the earth. The first time we ever see the word in the Greek, ecclesia, in the scripture is, Upon this rock I will build my church. The ecclesia, the government of God in the earth. What God has put in this earth to be that filler of the gap, that... Uh, a mediator, if you would, to bring heaven to earth, to bring the kingdom of heaven, the will of God in heaven as it is in heaven on the earth. It's that mediator, that, that power in the earth. But listen to me. We're going to sell ourselves short if we, if we start getting the mindset and the mentality that the tougher it gets in the end time, that we're just going to have to sneak by and get by. Can I tell you right now that in the first century church, while blind eyes were being opened and the dead were being raised and the lame were walking, it was perilous times. 
times that they were living in. They weren't hiding in a dark corner somewhere to have revival, but they stood up in the face of adversity. They stood up in the face of Roman persecution. They stood up in the face of Roman and Greek empires, and they declared that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was greater than the gods of superstition. Can I tell you tonight that if Paul can stand on Mars Hill and declare the unknown God to them, then we as a body of Christ had better understand it's time to get busy. They live by an understanding that God was just going to have to protect them or they would die trying. So many times in the scripture we read about Jesus that it wasn't necessarily Jesus going to people. But it was rather that they knew who Jesus was and they knew what he was about and they came and sought him out. And This story tonight that I read you in Matthew 15 is no different. The Bible said that Jesus was on his way going about his deal and behold, verse 22 said and behold, that means like just randomly here it happened. Behold, it just happened that this woman appears. She's not part of them. She is a Gentile. She's, she, she's way ahead of her time. We're in Matthew 15, and her time is not until Acts 10. And she comes to the Lord in Matthew 15, and she says, Hey, I need help because my daughter is possessed with a devil. There's a couple of things that I want you to understand right here that I'm trying to get to the church. If we're not careful, we're going to get to the place where when people need devils cast out, they're not going to know where to come. Listen, let me, just, let me just break this down right here. I'll, I'll get to my sermon, but let me just break this down to you right here just a little bit. You know, the Bible tells us that... Uh, that Demas forsook the Apostle Paul. He was writing to Timothy and, and the Apostle said to him, he said, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me. He said he loved this present world. He said Demas ran off and left. He went somewhere else to live his lifestyle. That's, he, he ran off to do his deal. But listen to what Pastor's telling you tonight. I'm afraid that in this day and age, we would rather, oh Lord, this is going to be uncomfortable. But churches would rather have Demas tithing than they would to get rid of his sin. What was it about the authority of the Apostle Paul that Demas knew? If I want to live that kind of life, I can't do it around Paul. Are you following my logic right here? He said, Demas forsake, he hath forsaken me, having loved this world. And I'm afraid that in this day and time, maybe even the apostolic church, even so-called, would have Demas in their drum pit or in their choir loft or on their praise team because Demas' talent was worth keeping around. I'm telling you that we cannot afford to keep Demas around if we're going to have an apostolic church. I would, re- oh my, 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 my. When Demas hangs around, there's no devils cast out because devils are comfortable here. When you enable demons' levels of comfort in so-called apostolic atmospheres, you have ceased to be apostolic. Woo-wee! I'm afraid that our goal has been polished more than it has been accuracy. That we just want to be as polished and beautiful as we can. But I fear that if we're not careful, we're going to fall into the same pit that that great apostle that I was just talking to you about said that would come. And surely it has to come in his prophetic word to the church or it wouldn't make sense because he said that they would have a form of godliness. But they would deny the power thereof. What more could we have as a form of godliness than a gathering of people 
but no power in the midst of the people. I'm just telling you, 2021's got to be a different kind of year. It's been too long since I've seen drunk young people get carried out of church. You can be seated. It's been a long time since I've seen people so drunk in the Holy Ghost you had to just leave them laying on the floor, go get a sandwich and come back and stay here till they get up off the floor. Come on, somebody. I was at camp meetings with young people that couldn't wait to get to the bonfire. But if the Holy Ghost moved on thir- that bonfire night, man, Brother Horner, I don't know if you remember, man, Thursday night was a night, brother, at Hartford City. My Lord, these camp counselors and guys like Brother Horner, they had to keep us straight at camp meeting because Thursday night was bonfire night, baby. Bonfire night, you had to get you some cutie to go to the bonfire with so you could sit there and grin so big both ears were wet. I wasn't going to let you do nothing. I'm sorry, camp cops. They sat around there, slip over and grab him by the hand, and Brother Willis walked by. There is a six-inch rule on this campground. You had to go to the bonfire, but I'm telling you, I've seen Thursday night hoedowns with kids waiting all week for the Thursday night bonfire. The Holy Ghost fall. And those kids stay in the altar weeping and crying. Bonfire just keep on going. Everybody else out there walk in the sanctuary and there's 10, 15 kids laying out on the floor. Listen, I'm telling you, at some point, our hunger for the things of God have got to become greater than our love for this present world. I long in 2021 for us to get so hungry that our altar calls look different. I'm not, I don't mean this ugly. Please understand. I'm not up here with reproof and rebuke, but something's got to happen in our altar calls more than just coming up, standing and staring and waiting on the music to finish what they're saying. This is a life transforming station. This is a place right here where lives can be renewed and people can be healed and set free. Oh dear God, I want this church to be as alive as it's ever been in my life. I'm so hungry for it and the pressure that's on us in this hour this woman came to Jesus because she knew that's where devils were cast out where are people going to go here if every church continues to compromise and don't think for one moment that you can compromise scruples and not compromise power Having a form of godliness but denying the power. This has been on my mind. If people cannot get answers at an apostolic church, where in the world? Oh, God. I was hoping right there somebody start feeling what I'm feeling. I fear sometimes that our quest for relevance has replaced our quest for revelation. Mm. I'm afraid that our love of accolades, the accolades of men, has somehow replaced our love for God and true pure worship that pours out of us. It's like if it's not settled and it's not structured and it's not written down and it's not in the notes, then it can't happen in a service. I hope that's never the story of this church. I long for the days this year in 2021 that our altars are full of pills, weed, bottles, Syringes. Let me remind some of the things, remind you of some of the things that used to make you shout when we would talk about putting up walls with crutches, wheelchairs. I 
I was talking this afternoon in a conversation about a convention that I was preaching one time, and there was a lot of political mess going on at the convention. I'm not going into the story, but there was just a bunch of political mess, a bunch of strife that was happening. I was preaching on the last day. It was a three-day conference, and in the first two days of that conference, there was more nonsense, and you could shake a stick at it. It was, it was silly. There was crazy stuff going on, the, the, the fighting of between wills and who was right and who was wrong and who was, you know, who was the righteous one and all this stuff. And on the third day of that conference, when it was my time to preach, I was coming off of a seven-day fast. I came off of seven days after I preached that day. And I was just expressing at the table that my desire for a sovereign move of God was greater than, than fitting and, and, and being the one that they said, yeah, yeah, you're, you're the right one. You came in line with what we want. Listen, I don't mean this ugly whatsoever, but I'm sick and tired of us trying to fit apostolic authority into an agenda that was not made by apostolic structure. I was on my seventh day of a fast. And the conference happened to be within driving distance of here. And I left my family in the hotel that night and put the kids to bed and left my wife laying in bed. And I got in the car that night and drove to my house. And I laid in the floor of my house. I arrived back to that hotel about 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And the service that I was preaching was about 10 o'clock that morning. So I got back to the hotel and I took a shower. And I told God, I said, I am so desperate. I have not just, uh, just pushed myself away from the table because I want to look spiritual. God, I said, I want a move of God. I want miracle signs and wonders. I said, God, I laid in the floor of my house all night long. I said, God, I don't care about the applause of men. I don't care what men have to say about it. I want you to move. I want you to do miracle signs and wonders. I'd been preaching about 15 or 20 minutes when a man came running down the middle aisle and he hit the floor on his stomach and he slid on that slick concrete. His head went underneath the stage. The covering of the stage came down and he laid on the floor and he wept and wailed and screamed and the altar filled up and I told them sitting in that conversation today I said I knew that God had answered our prayers when I walked off the platform that day I said I walked out and there was a group of people walking out and in their hands they were holding casts and crutches can I tell you right now I don't know what happened to the political agenda of that conference but somebody left with a miracle we've got to get beyond political We need a move of God. We've got to be a place where people know where to come. We've got to be a house that people know. When I walk through that door, I may walk in possessed, but I'll leave free. Could we just lift our hands to the Lord right now? Lord, don't pass me by. I know sometimes it sounds like we're just a broken record up here just trying to get some kind of response. But listen, Pastor, please hear my heart. Hear me tonight when I tell you that I'm willing. I'm willing to do whatever must be done to be an apostolic epicenter of healing, miracles, signs and wonders and before we buy into the idea that more programs and policies is the answer I want to tell you that I appreciate professionalism and we've got to have it I thank the Lord when people are professional from the parking lot to the platform they know how to greet people. They know how to be kind to people. But what good has it done us if they walk into this church and say, yeah, they're friendly, but I'm still bound. 
You can be friendly to drug addicts at a drug rehab center. Oh, Lord. I believe that distraction is a tool and a key that the enemy has tried to use to lock us up. As the apostolic church to get distracted into political agendas. I'm not, and I'm not even talking about these and ours right now. I'm talking about in the church. It's probably worse than Democrats and Republicans. I know you don't believe this, that preachers are human. And I've seen preachers be pretty cruel. If you don't believe it my way, then I ain't got nothing to do with you. I've seen people that probably deserved to be restored, but they were refused. And it's political structure. When we're more worried about what somebody's going to think about us and we are what heaven thinks about us. We are officially distracted. This woman came to him not because she thought there was a pretty good chance she could be delivered, that her daughter could be delivered, but I believe she came to him because somebody else had said to her, I had a possession. I was possessed with the devil. As she sat down at lunch with this person and said, I don't know what to do with my daughter. That person spoke up perhaps and said, I can tell you what I did because I was possessed with the devil. Well, where did you go? I went to Jesus. How else would this woman find out that the power over demonic possession was in the power of the name of Jesus if somebody did not tell her. And that leads me to a place this year. We can rejoice all we want to about the delivering power of Jesus. But if you're sitting on your testimony and you don't, you don't feel the need to tell somebody how good God's been to you. I hate to tell y'all this tonight. But we can pray all we want to for harvest. But angels are not going to come down from heaven and tell people the power of this church. It's going to be a work of meeting people, loving people, investing in people, pouring out with people. I hope this year... You're so busy teaching Bible studies, you got to cancel your kids playing ball league. Can you imagine what would happen if we would let the Holy Ghost baptize about 15, 20, 25 people in this church with such a passion to tell people what God has done in their life through the power of a local church? And you started sitting down with people and saying to them, I don't know what you're going through right now, but let me tell you what God did for me. And I'll tell you where he did it. He did it for me at an old-fashioned altar at 630 West 53rd Street. My life was falling apart. I was a wreck. Come on, I've heard some of your testimonies before. But pastor's not the one that needs to hear it alone. Somebody outside the four walls of this church needs to know there is still a church that believes in the miracle-working power of Jesus. Y'all still with me tonight? She came and she cried unto him. She said, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, thou son of David. She didn't waste any time. She got a request out there. She said, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he left her on red. And the scripture said that he answered her. Not a word. Now this might just feel somewhat counterproductive because I want all the shouting and dancing we can get. 
But this is the easy time to worship when we're together. Because there's a multitude of people that are doing it. But my most difficult time in my relationship with God are the moments when He leaves me on red. Do you believe that Zadok, like righteous people, actually have questions? Can you imagine that? That righteous people like Job was still counted righteous when he said, God, what in the world are you doing? And the Lord didn't answer him a question. He asked him questions. You can read it for yourself. He's looking for answers. And the Lord said, let me just feed you a few more questions. If you thought your mind was disturbed before, let me ask you questions that I know you don't have answers to. There are dangerous times when we're in the middle of a test. And it seems like the heavens have turned brass. And God is not answering. And there is no word that comes from him. I know there's at least three or four people in here. Because I've sat with you and talked to you that know exactly what I'm saying to you. But it can be a dangerous place when you've asked God questions that you feel like deserve an answer. But you have not got an answer. And all you know is that God has left you on red. It's tough. There's like this amazing thing that happens when you pay your cell phone bill. You get calls and texts, and it's so frustrating when you call and text people that you need to get a hold of, and there's never a response. Text my daughter, and I know she's upstairs. And I'm out of sweet tea. Not really. But I'll do this thing. It's just, it's just me. I'll call my wife and she'll be in the tub or run the vacuum cleaner or whatever. And so she didn't, she didn't get my call. You know, I'm on my way home. I'm going to stop by, get something to eat or whatever, bring it to the house. And she don't answer. So I'll call Lauren. Lauren don't answer. So I call Graceland. Graceland don't answer. I call Jocelyn. And I know she's got her phone in her hand. I don't pay a bill on those last two. They just don't Wi-Fi on their iPod. But it's like when you can't get the answer that you want from the person that you called, you start trying to get answers other places. I'm, I'm making a point here. It's a dangerous place to be when you've been left on read by God. Because you're apt to start taking counsel from other, places, other people in other places just because they answered the phone. And more than likely, you're going to find somewhere because misery loves company. So you're in, you're in a bad state of mind and you're going to find somebody that's not far from the same state of mind that you're in. And you're going to start asking them questions and they're not going to give you the same kind of response that God was going to give you. Can I tell you right now that carnal people are the last numbers that you want to call when you've been left on red? Because you're going to get a hold of somebody that don't understand why your faith is as strong as it's been. I know I'm preaching right now. Listen, can I tell you that there is an answer of what to do when God leaves you on red. Verse 23, he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him and said, send her away. Here's that political structure. She's not one of us. She don't fit here. We don't know what to do with her. And it's like the silence of God gave the holy people an opportunity to say, we don't want her here anyway. They don't smell like we do. They don't look like we do. They don't act like we do. They got no business in this church. 
and such were some of you. Hey, I'm telling you right now that I can be thankful when God sends us somebody their breath smells like whiskey. I've never been delivered of whiskey, but I could have been on it if it hadn't been for the grace and mercy of God. Something shifted right then. Listen, you think you may think in this story that the Lord's first answer is just a response to the woman, but the Lord is responding to the spirit that's behind both groups of people, the disciples and the woman. Because he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of Israel. He's testing their spirit. To see just how negative they're going to be. How dark they're going to be. And he's testing her spirit to see how bad she really wants it. Oh Lord, I wish I could preach this the way I want to right now. I'm not sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Pastor, I don't know what to do. Because God has left me on red. I've cried out in 2020 and I've had no answers. I've asked God and I feel like I've had no breakthroughs. I don't know what else to do. Verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him. The only response she had when she did not have an answer is I'll stay right here and I'll worship you until this thing breaks. I don't know how long she stayed there, but she said, you're not going to leave me on red. I'll stay right here until heaven moves. I'll stay right here until deliverance comes. I'll worship And it's in this moment that the Lord recognizes her relentless spirit because he looked, he's he's testing her. He knows where she's coming from now. He said, I found me a worshiper. She'll worship when it don't make sense. She'll worship when she don't have an answer. She'll worship when nobody else has been watching. She's not worshiping for the applause of men. She's worshiping for a response. And he looked at her and he said, sweetheart, I want to tell you right now, it's not me for me to give the children's bread and cast it to the dog. She rose up, she said, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, I've got me a worshiper that'll take the crumb if she can't get the loaf. (laughs) The devil don't know what to do with relentless people. Listen to what I'm telling I'm about finished preaching. Listen to what I'm telling you. The woman said it's true, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Here comes the moment of revelation for you. You ready? Everything that's in the loaf is in the crumb. Lord, I'll take the leftovers if that's what i got to get. I'll do whatever I've got to do. But, Lord, I am desperate for you. I need something to happen in my life. And here's what you need to know. I'm not leaving until it does. Jesus answered and said unto her, woman great is thy faith be it unto thee even as thou wilt I mentioned this to you the other night but this chapter is a confirmation of the Lord's prayer of what he was saying to pray when he said Give us this day our daily bread. Notice that the Lord responds to this woman that needs a miracle, a kingdom miracle, by telling her it's bread. 
He said, give us this day our daily bread. Or in the Greek, as I told you, tomorrowly bread. In other words, give us this day what we shouldn't have access to until tomorrow. When the kingdom comes, it gives me access to things in the present moment that I shouldn't have access to until later. But something about worship causes God to reach outside of present circumstances and expedite processes and give us today our tomorrowly bread. I feel like telling somebody tonight in this house, you've got to quit worrying about the timeline and just worship him there's something there's something that triggers God when we begin to worship that he steps out of where we are and says I've got an answer for that I cannot deny them and her daughter was made whole somebody shout from that hour what hour The hour that she decided, I'm not leaving. What do you do when God leaves you on red? You hit your face and you say, Lord, you're either going to get tired of hearing from me or something's going to move. Something's going to change. I'm going to stay right here and speak the language of heaven. Even the dogs get the crown. I'll stay right here and I'll talk to you. I'll worship you until something happens. Let's reach out. I feel it. My worship is not performance based. My worship is not applause based. I worship you because I love you. I worship you for who you are. This woman's language never denies who she is. But she responds by letting him know I know who I am and I know who you are. And you need to know that I'm not going anywhere until you touch my daughter. That's why I don't understand people wanting to leave the house of God in the times in which we're living right now. You got to get an audacity in you. You got to get a fight in you. You got to get something in you. That says, Lord, I'm not leaving because I'm disappointed. I'm not going to walk away because you haven't answered. Whenever you turn around and whenever you incline your ear, you're going to hear my voice. God, I want you to hear me knocking on heaven's door every single day. I want you to hear me knocking on your heart every single day. I want a move of God and I'm not leaving till I get it. I'm asking you to stand with me tonight. There's some folk here this evening, I believe, that feel like you've been left on red. But the Spirit of the Lord wants you to know that His silence does not mean that He is absent. He's listening. He's waiting. And He wants to see if you really believe what you came here to say you believed. I will wait on you. But while I wait, I will worship you. God, I feel something special trying to break in here right now. I believe the Lord is searching for that desperate heart right now that will step out from where you are and say, Lord, I refuse to leave here like I came. (sighs) I refuse. Well, if you're worshiping him because he's already responded, it's not worship. 
If you're worshiping him because you got your answer, it's not worship. It's gratitude. But it takes a different level of faith to thank him for what you have not seen yet. Uh, <laughs> we are hungry. God, we are hungry. God, we are hungry. Come on, we're not going to gravel at his feet tonight and whine and cry and tell him how disappointed we are that he hasn't answered. Oh, no, no, no. The response is not worry, the response is not complaining. The response is worship. Lord, when I don't understand, I'm going to worship. When I haven't seen a response, I'm going to worship. When I haven't got an answer, I'm going to worship. Come on, some folks are waiting on the Holy Ghost to come get you out of your seat. Some of you are waiting on the Holy Ghost to come to your house and heal the daughter that's grievously vexed. But the word of the Lord said she came to him. She came to him. She pushed. She came to him. And when he didn't answer, she refused to leave. She had a mindset, I've come all this way. I'm not going home until I get what I came for. If you've made the journey tonight, you might as well touch Jesus. Just pour your heart out to him tonight. Just let him know tonight, I didn't come all this way to just go home. I didn't come all this way to go home the way I came. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
If you need a touch in your body right now, just reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. If you need a touch in your body, just reach out to him right now. If you need the Lord to touch you in your body, just reach out to him right now. <laughs> Let the faith of this woman tonight get on you. Stand in the gap for somebody else. My daughter's grievously vexed, Lord, and I'm not leaving till you touch. Stand in the gap for somebody tonight. Come on, don't leave this place disappointed. Don't leave this place disappointed because you let a spirit of intimidation keep you in your seat. Don't let a spirit of intimidation keep you locked up in worship tonight. It'll blow your mind what God will do if you'll step out in this window of opportunity right now. And say, Lord, I'm coming to worship you. I don't care what they say, what they do, what happens. I've come to worship you, Lord. Come on, make that commitment on this first Sunday night of the year. Make that commitment to the Lord tonight. This year's going to be different for me. This year's going to be different for my family. This year's going to be different for us. Yes. Yes. Korabahaya. There's a revelation in this story that has got to be presented that we can't leave this place without getting the full understanding of the the true underlying principle. When this woman came to Jesus and he answered her not a word, the automatic response would have been to leave and go home. But this woman had come to a place in her life that she realized, I have nowhere else to go. And if I leave here, The way that I came, I'm going home to the same landscape that I left. When you finally come to the arrival and the understanding that Jesus is all we've got, you'll stay as long as you have to stay to be sure that you have the answer you came for. Listen, I'm not against programs. I'm not against, I I believe in all that. There's, There's probably people here tonight that have been through 12-step programs that changed your life. 
But I want to tell you about a program that I believe will change every life. That's however many steps you are from your pew to this altar. Jesus is not just another option. He's the only option. Man, I'd have just left and went home. You wouldn't have went home if you knew that's all you had. Who else can deliver my child? Peter asked him the same question. He said, Lord, I mean, really? Where else could we go? I mean, where, where else could we go? So I ask you this question tonight. If you're not going to stay at his feet, where are you going to go? You can always stay the same. Or you can stay in his presence until there's a change. you got I feel like somebody's on the verge of a breakthrough tonight I'm not just saying that I feel like somebody is so close I'm just asking you tonight if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with faith that you would just push with me one more time right now. I believe somebody's on the verge of a breakthrough in their life. Jesus.